Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, April 14th, 2023. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. In March, NPD Bookscan became Circana Books following the merger of the NPD Group and Information Resources, Inc. last year. Circana claims its reporting covers approximately 85% of trade print books sold in the U.S., and Circana Bookscan figures are now out for Q1 2023. The results should be encouraging for publishers. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, as my boss, Jim Milliot, recently covered, the first quarter closed with four consecutive weeks of increases for publishers, and that pushed overall unit sales of print books to nearly flat with 2022, with sales off just a really small 0.3% at the outlets that report to Circana Bookscan. Uh, Circana Bookscan, new name. Same great analysis, same great stats. So we'll get used to saying that, I promise. Uh, and more good news this week, unit sales of print books rose 4.7% last week over 2022, with every segment except adult nonfiction posting increases over 2022. And of course, that's because it was a holiday week earlier this year. Easter fell, of course, one week earlier than it did in 2022. After a slow holiday season and at the end of last year and an up and down first two months of 2023, a decent March and a flat first quarter should really ease fears that unit sales uh, are poised for another sharp drop in 2023. As my boss Jamilia points out in his story, which you can read on the PW site, the 184 million copies sold in the first quarter uh, just reported this year was 17% higher than the first quarter of 2019. And that is another indication that while book sales may indeed cool off from the record levels of 2021, they are poised to settle in at significantly higher levels than they were before this unexpected sales surge came in the wake of the COVID lockdown. So those began in spring of 2020. Uh, as we've said before, publishing is a mature business. And in a good year, you might see 1% to 3% growth. I think the industry would have been thrilled to see sales growth you know, of 7% over the last three years. So the idea that we've got 17%, well, that's like a 10% level up on top of decent growth that we might have expected otherwise. So if that's where we're settling in, I think the industry would see that as pretty good news. So I have to ask, Andrew, is this the book talk effect in action, specifically working for Colleen Hoover? Yeah, you know, you know the score. Absolutely. It really does sometimes feel like we have should have a separate accounting for like the, you know, Colleen Hoover and book talk from the rest of the publishing industry. Colleen Hoover has certainly had a major impact on fiction sales overall, especially in the romance category. The romance category has seen a 45% sales jump year over year. Hoover, of course, has seven books of the top 25 for the year. She sold about 2.3 million copies already. Uh, the only other a book of the only other author, I should say, other than Hoover, to have more than one book on the list was another book talk favorite, Taylor Jenkins Reid, who's uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones and the Six, uh, combined to sell about 460,000 copies. You know, but that said, there are other bright spots too. YA sales were up 2.7% in the quarter. Uh, the industry's largest category, adult nonfiction, was down, but it cut its losses. There was a 3.6% sales decline in the quarter, but this comes after a 10% drop for all of 2022. 
although we should say Prince Harry led to a nearly 20% increase in the biography and memoirs category. Uh, but the rate of decline for the rate of you know sales decline for nonfiction is coming down a little bit so far in 2023. But I really do think the Colleen Hoover effect can be seen in looking at the results of the major publishers who, you know, those publishers that report their sales, the public companies, that's Penguin Random House, Harper, and Hachette, which have really shown some slippage and some profit erosion. erosion. And Colleen Hoover's publisher, Simon Schuster, meanwhile, reported a stratospheric year. That's the word John Carp used in 2022. They surpassed a billion dollars. And Hoover shows no signs of slowing down in 2023. London Book Fair returns next week to the Olympia venue. And that's where we'll report from for next week's podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's my return to the London Book Fair, where I have not been since 2019. When when COVID first hit in March of 2020, I had just about finished all the features for our show dailies. And I was getting ready to go, and then it was all gone, just like that. Uh, now the London Book Fair is back. It's actually been back. It was back last year in uh, physical form, too. It's run through a couple of directors in that time. And a note for our listeners who will be there, uh, our show dailies, the Publishers Weekly print show dailies on the show floor, are also going to be back. You can also access those show dailies via the PW app, and you can find daily coverage from London on our website, too, for those who can't be in London. But I'm getting ready to head, head over to London myself on Sunday. The fair is going to run from Tuesday to Thursday, April 18th to 20th at Olympia. And this year's show, I think, is setting up to be pretty normal, right? I think all all signs are pointing to a higher level of engagement and attendance and the, the public health crisis around COVID is over, even if COVID itself is not. Uh, we heard from Gareth Rapley that all 500 tables at the International Rights Center have been booked. The fair is looking for about a 30% increase in attendance over 2022. So even with, though it may come in still below pre-pandemic levels, I think a 30% increase in attendance and a bustling international rights center is a step in the right direction. PW previewed the fair in last Monday's issue, Andrew, and tell me a little bit about what you're expecting. Yeah, so our preview issue is out. That was helmed by my colleague and international editor at Publishers Weekly at Dewaka up on the site now. I think, you know, if you look at that feature, it will give you, you know, sort of a sense that the industry really is starting to edge back towards something that looks like normal. Uh, and I think on a broader note that this year's London Book Fair is really going to say a lot about where the future of publishing industry trade shows is headed. So on, on a you know, sort of a broader note, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing where, where that's all going uh, this year in London. As for the program, personally, I'm really looking forward to this year's uh, professional program that will feature Brian Murray, the CEO of HarperCollins, who's going to discuss uh, recent trends in publishing. And yeah, we have a lot to talk about there, right? From consolidation in the wake of the Penguin Random House DOJ decision to uh, book bans and digital developments and uh, post-COVID consumer trends, as well as workplace issues, right? The workplace in publishing is still evolving in the COVID, age of COVID. Uh, of course, there's copyright issues too. You know, London has always been a signature event where industry leaders get together and, well, show, they lead, they show their leadership. And I think it's going to be really good to have the event back as a forum for leaders like Brian Murray to make a little news and for you know all of us to hear a little bit more about what industry leaders are thinking and to unpack trends in the business. And 
while the London Book Fair is not going to have a single market-focused country this year, as it's had in past years, there's going to be a series of events, as we discussed recently, about uh, what's going on in Ukraine after the Russian invasion. And I think that's going to be a really important part of the program as well. Last week, Andrew, you reported that a federal judge ordered a county public library in Texas to return more than a dozen books to its shelves that had been pulled because of unconstitutional viewpoint discrimination, which is what the court found. Library leaders have since pushed back with an extraordinary response. They proposed to close the library. Yes, crazy stuff. After a federal judge ordered the return of more than a dozen books that were improperly pulled from the Lanao County Public Library shelves for viewpoint discrimination, the judge found. Uh, The county commissioners held a special meeting this week to discuss, well, shutting the library down altogether. Uh, In various local news reports, we heard about a small group of local residents showing up to tell the board that if the county loses this lawsuit, as they are poised to do, they want the library to just close rather than to put what they say are pornographic books back on library shelves. And I'm just going to take a point of personal privilege here. These books are not pornographic. They're going back on library shelves. Uh, Library advocates, of course, have rallied. They're trying to get supporters to show up for the library. And it is clear that the vast majority of residents benefit from and want the library in Lanao County to stay open. But here we are as the American Library Association's Deborah Caldwell-Stone. Deborah is, of course, the director of the uh, ALA Office for Intellectual Freedom. She said in a statement, rather than return these 12 books to the library's collection that reflect the lives and experiences of you know persons of color or the LGBTQA community, the members of the Lanao County Commission and its library board instead proposed to fire the library staff and deny every resident of the county access to all that the library provides. All this over books that no one is forcing anyone in the community to read, right? They're just available at the library. It's just absurd. But it is also a frightening new front in the book banning wars. To be frank, you know, I I reported this last fall after the midterm elections. Every library's John Kraska pointed out uh, in a conversation that we had about the election results that we were likely to see this, a defund the library movement start to take root in communities around the country where they can't ban books. And we saw it in Michigan, where the Patmos Library was defunded by voters in the fall of last year. We're now seeing it in Lanao. And then most recently in Missouri, too, state lawmakers in the House there have voted to defund all of the state's libraries after library leaders there dared to join the American Civil Liberties Union and challenging a new book banning law uh, on the books there in Missouri. The developments in Lanao County come after Judge Robert Pittman issued a preliminary injunction barring the library from removing any more books while a lawsuit filed by residents proceeds and holding that the First Amendment prohibits the removal of books from libraries based on either viewpoint or content discrimination. Uh, Among the books that were ordered to be restored to the shelves, there's Isabel Wilkerson's cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. Uh, They call themselves the KKK, The Birth of an American Terrorist Group by Susan Campbell Bartoletti. Being Jazz, My Life as a Transgender Teen by Jazz Jennings, and one of you know my f- personal favorites, In the Night Kitchen by Maurice Sendak. Uh, as of right now, it is not clear what the fate of the library will be in Lanao County. Uh, we're still waiting to hear exactly what the county is going to do. The hearing has taken place, but you know, this is definitely a story we're going to be watching in the coming weeks. And I think it's fair to say that this is a worrisome development, not just in Lanao, but around the country, uh, and what has been a worrisome two years for those of us who value the freedom to read. 
Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program with your reporting and editorial analysis. My pleasure, as always. Coming next on Velocity of Content, at London Book Fair next week, the Sustainability Hub will be a focus space on the show floor for examining the impact publishing has on the environment. Rachel Martin, Elsevier's Global Director of Sustainability, explains why the industry's longtime business practice of allowing booksellers to return unsold books presents a challenge for making the publishing supply chain greener. Now, traditionally, booksellers in many parts of um, Europe and particularly in the UK have a system called book returns where books are sent to the booksellers and if they don't get sold, they're returned back to the publishers. Now, it seems quite inefficient from a carbon emission perspective if you've got these books coming and going, shipping back and forth between bookshops and publishers' warehouses. And often, you know, this very simple inefficiency needs to be addressed. And it's not just a small problem, it's quite an ingrained part of our workflows, it's how we've always done business, and it's something that we will need to address as we move to a net zero world. London Book Fair takes climate action, next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.